Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. As always, we are recording this live and we'll have it up as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. We invite listeners to please share questions, comments, and any other feedback they may have through our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, all. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Ed. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jody. Hey, Steve. Hi, guys. Hello, everyone. Okay. Lots going on as always. I guess I'll let you guys take over which one you want to talk about. We have within the justice system, still talking about the O'Keefe raid. We have the Bannon indictment. And of course, the Rittenhouse trial. There's always lots of interesting COVID stuff going on. There's an issue with Sununu in New Hampshire that we may or may not get to touch on. And one other story we'd like to mention, at least I would like to mention, is the Wyoming Republican Party and Liz Cheney. Having said all that, Jody, what would you like to start with? Ooh, ooh, what shall I choose? So many, so many to choose from. Okay, well, you know, let's go with the Rittenhouse. I mean, that is pretty hot on the news. I honestly kind of thought we'd have some more intel by now, maybe a, um, a verdict, but I missed the closing arguments. I'm going to have to Google them and watch them on YouTube. I'm sure they're there. Oh, but it was, uh, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was appalling to say the least, but go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, the oh. whole thing is heart wrenching all the way around. And Am I correct that a long jury deliberation doesn't look good for the defendant? I was kind of thinking that myself, but what do I know? Well, they were saying, you know, in some of the reports, some of the pundits last night were saying that the jury instructions were incredibly confusing. They were like 40 pages long. So perhaps that has something to do with the delay right now. Um, Who makes those? Like, is it, is it, is there any strategy? Like the, can, can the prosecution write those as a strategy to make it difficult on the jury? How, how does that happen? I believe the judge signs off on them. Well, no, you, I mean, I'm not a lawyer in Wisconsin and I don't do criminal law, but in general, the way it works is you have what are called pattern jury instructions and it pattern jury instructions are, you can think of it as sort of an encyclopedia of different instructions that can be given to the jury and the prosecution submits its proposed charges to the jury. The defense submits its proposed charges. They argue about it with the judge. Ultimately, the judge picks the ones that he thinks are uh, relevant or appropriate. And then they, they read them to the jury like that. And, and I think the judge has the power to, I think he, he can alter them, but I don't think they usually do. Um, I mean, in civil cases, they can, but yeah. um, usually it's, it's well settled principles of law. That's why I said it's sort of like an encyclopedia. And it's just if you want to, you know, in order to make out self-defense, this is what you need to prove in order to make out murder. This is what you need to prove. And that's 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 all the pattern jury instructions are. And uh, I don't know why it was 40 pages long, but I heard the same thing, Mike. Yeah, um, the judge signed off on it and he does have the power to rewrite them uh, if he desires to do that. But in this case, he did not. So. You know, other than that, we can only speculate. If it's not that, I'd be concerned if I were in Rittenhouse right now, you know? I'm not sure I'd be concerned about it. I mean, you know, ordinarily, if it's a fast, 
if it's a fast deliberation, it's usually positive for the defense. Um, I, again, I'm not a criminal lawyer, so I can't say that from experience, but um, I think there's so many things going on here. I mean, the confusing jury instructions, the, the chaos outside the courthouse, right. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's possible that they decided right when they walked in there that they're going to acquit him, but they don't want to make it, they want to make it look like they deliberated for a couple of days because they're scared. It's, yeah. That's possible too. Um, I, I just don't think we know what's going on in their heads. Sure. Question. It could be, be a hung jury. Okay. Taking in mind that, um, bearing in mind that you're not a criminal lawyer, therefore I am by far and away the most knowledgeable because I watch the most Perry Mason and forget, the most, CIS. And oh, forget the most episodes. Is the burden of proving self-defense on the defendant or proving not self-defense on the prosecutor? At least in this particular case, it's on the prosecutor. I, it was my belief that it's always on the prosecutor, but um, technically affirmative defenses can be, the burden can be on the defendant. Uh, but I've heard in this, in this, in Wisconsin, the burden of proof is on the prosecution to disprove self-defense beyond a reasonable doubt. Okay. And, so and just, to, just to add, given that one of the elements of murder is that you intended to do it, I, I would think that the, that it should, that it should, the general rule should be that it's on the burdens on the prosecution to exclude any other intent other than uh, a malicious intent. I mean, the traditional definition of murder is the intentional killing of another human being with malice or forethought. If you have a, if you're doing it in self-defense, there's no malice or forethought. But, now, did he actually, I, cause I'm not following this trial very closely. Did he actually plead self-defense or he pleads not guilty? I haven't read the papers. I think he, I th the plea, a plea is just guilty or not guilty. Right. So I when you say an affirmative um, self-defense, what does that mean? Like, well, he's, he's charged with murder and attempted murder, essentially. He's not, when you're saying there's no, there's no, no self-defense charge. Right. So who, when we're talking about proving self-defense or not, at what point is it asserted that it's self-defense that one person has to prove it or not prove it? Um, again, that's a procedural question. I don't know for sure, but I, I do know in this case, the prosecution has the burden of proof. And I, I assume that the way it comes about is that the defense puts the prosecution on notice that they're going to, that their defense is self-defense and that when the as long as the defense timely makes that disclosure to the prosecution, the prosecution then has to disprove self-defense. Okay, I, that's something I, that would happen before the trial. Um, good question. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it happens before opening statements, if that's what you're asking. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what do you think? Just a curiosity question. The the fact that he went there with such a gun plays into the whole notion that it was sort of premeditated. I mean, he didn't go in there specifically to knowing those people and killing those people, but he went there with the gun to. He had a lawful right, right to be there, just like the rioters supposedly had a lawful right to be there. He had a lawful right to carry the weapon. In fact, the weapons charge was dismissed. So 
I don't see, I mean, I understand where you're going with that, but um, I, I don't think that's a plausible argument at all. Um, you know, they weren't allowed to, for instance, introduce evidence about the fact that Rosenbaum was a pedophile who had just been released from, uh, from a mental hospital that same day, uh, or that he was a child rapist for that matter. Um, that wasn't relevant. I don't see why it's relevant that, you know, he didn't I have got to that. be there. I mean, if that were the case, anybody with a gun would never be allowed to be said to be self-defense because, well, you had uh, a gun with you. That, that was one of the arguments that the prosecution put forward. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling to listen to these prosecutors and some of the arguments that, that they were making, but that was actually one of them. If you, if you have a gun, you're basically not allowed to defend yourself. You can't right, even the, process the gun itself as provocative. Yeah. I mean, right. and, and if you watched, I know you didn't, you said you didn't watch Jody, the, the prosecution was ma made it very clear that, the AR-15 is what they had on trial. They didn't, they, they didn't miss an opportunity to mention it was an AR-15, the AR-15, the right. AR-15 with metal jacket and full and, and with all its bullets. And I mean, they just, they, they were trying to make this a gun control case. Yeah, you know, I that mean, that's not you have an AR-15 and it's an, it's an inherently dangerous situation. That was one of their theories. Well, actually, besides where the gun control is on trial, self-defense, Period yeah. is on trial. And some people are saying if they manage to convict Rittenhouse, they will have managed to crush, you know, this on top of McCloskey, anybody ever daring self-defense and just leaves the street to the rioters. And that's a really, really scary thought. So now I want to know why I want to know why our side is not the one masked outside that courthouse. If they railroad this kid, that. if they railroad this kid on this flimsy of a case and saddle him with a conviction on any of those charges, our side ought to be up in arms. I mean, this is just so outrageous. I don't know how we're going to let, if it, if that's what comes down, how we let that come to pass. I mean, it's now the judge can set aside a verdict, correct? Yes, he can. Which is pretty wild. We know he's a racist because he makes Asian food jokes. So you never know what he might do. He also has a patriotic song on his ringtone. Yeah, that's two strikes against him. So, yeah, listen, I totally agree that if they convict him, it's... But again, our side doesn't tend to mass in protest. I mean, they're doing it more and more in New Hampshire than usual. It's just not, yeah. not what makes us tick. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the, the John Brown story from, from 1860 when, uh, you know, John Brown raided the federal uh, armory in... Uh, in West Virginia, in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. And he was tried and convicted and, and ultimately sentenced to death. And he was universally seen as a good guy. And it, and it really hardened. It was one of the things that helped harden the South into understanding that there was going to be no mercy from the North, from the, from the, from the Union side, and that it was going to have to be war or not, or they were going to surrender. I wonder if, if, convicting Rittenhouse is going to have the same kind of effect. I mean, it, he hasn't, we haven't even gotten a verdict yet and it's having that effect on me right now. I, I, I can't, I can't put into words how angry it makes me that this kid, they, they told the police to stand down. This kid was doing what the police, what the adults should have been doing. And 
He was just defending life and property. And we're listening, we're being lectured to by people who encourage the destruction of, of life and property. And they're trying to put him in jail for, for defending life and property. It's, and, and he, I mean, if he were 35 years old, I would be outraged by it. But this was a child that saw something terrible happening and went and, and acted, in my opinion, in one of the most heroic ways that, that I could imagine. I mean, the amount of, if you know the difference between courage and bravery, he had so much bravery to do what he did. And, and it, he should be rewarded, not just rewarded, but championed for what he did. And, and to see what they're doing to him, it just, it, it boggles my mind. I mean, I, I understand why he broke down on the stand. You know, if I were him, I'd be thinking nobody is willing to help me and I'm doing the right thing and I'm being punished for doing the right thing. You know, first of all, I agree with you totally. And I'm so happy to see you get all passionate about it. Um, you know, I've, I have issues with the, the arbitrary number of 18 being automatically an adult and anything below that being automatically a minor who has no brains. I mean, this kid is several months shy of being able to go into the United States military and be a perfectly functioning adult. So to automatically say he's a child, it just, even that drives me crazy. Um, the fact that he had the maturity to go there and try to defend anything, I think is laudable. I can't stand the fact that they make it sound like he's this white supremacist, trigger happy guy who went there to shoot people. It's just, instead of building up a child who's acting like an adult, we're trying to tear him down. And I think culturally, forgetting even the criminal aspects, I think that's a horrible thing. Well, yep. you know, and it really depends on what you're watching. When you watch clips from CNN and MSNBC or even, you know, online, what should be reputable, oh, this should be reputable, really not, but uh, media reports, they really don't take the facts of the case into consideration. And if I hadn't watched good parts of the actual um, uh, court trial playing out, I see why people are susceptible to thinking and believing that this kid is what the media says he is, that he is horrible. And sadly, there's a lot of people out there who are just, they don't have time to watch these things. They don't, and sadly, they, they, they tend to not stop and think, is there another side? Should I research the other side? They tend to just believe. And it's so sad to watch um, so many people who should know better painting this person. You know, I, I was, I don't know if I mentioned it here last week, but I was uh, noticing how many reports in the media so many, I, I couldn't find one, in fact, where I was, show, you know, they, they named the names of the, the men shot, but they never showed their picture. <laughs> but in the narrative, they used the words white supremacist or racism or racist stuff. And the reason they didn't, the, I conclude the reason they didn't show the pictures that they were white is because if they did, they can't have that white, he's a white nationalist. This was about racism narrative. Um, stick. And it is so disturbing that our media, um, who really is supposed to be the arbiters of truth and holding truth, they're, they're supposed to be shining the light on truth is so derelict. And Why is the media they're, they're, supposed they're to be not, the arbiter of truth? 
excuse me, they're supposed to shine the light. They're supposed to be the ones that do the investigative journal. They're, they're part of the bridge that should exist between the American people and being a reasonably educated voter or, you know, if we're, if we're going to live in a republic or a democracy, you can't have people who have such barriers between themselves and valuable information that they'll take into the voting booth. How dangerous is that? I mean, there is no real. I mean, the the mainstream media, they're not even media anymore. It's an arm of the Democratic Party. They're just propagandists and they're race hustlers. I mean, I I think I said it last week, the Democratic Party, their whole platform is basically based on race at this point. And now you have MSNBC. I mean, I'm taking it taken to calling it now MSBLM because that's what they are. Every single thing is seen through a prism of race. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so toxic. It's so poisonous and divisive. I mean, I don't want to be in the same country as these people. I don't want to be in the same planet, let alone the same country. I mean, it, it's disgusting. Some it of the things disgusting. that they say, it's disgusting it that disgusting. they could turn this trial. You have a, a white kid that shot three white, uh, really Antifa, members right (laughs) and somehow this is this is racist it's all about race it's just it's disgusting and like i said though i I get why there's a lot of people in america being absolutely snowed by it and believing it and believing that this kid is just flat out monster because that's what they're being sold and i it makes me just i just i hate it it's horrible it's divide and conquer i mean you know, they're using race to divide us. Um, and, you know, again, I think it's a way to guilt us. Honestly, as you know, the whole thing about white privilege and, and everything like that, you're a white supremacist. It's all to just beat us down and to force us to, into submission. That's, that's it. I mean, guilt could be a really powerful weapon if, if you allow it to be used against you. You're they right. Know, they know how to wield it. They sure do. And shame and hatred and fear. But, you know, the bigger theme around all this with Rittenhouse and, um, I'm sorry, the Bannon and everything, and so many of these other things we've seen with McCluskey's and everything, is there's just two systems of justice now. And if you're on the political right, you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law on flimsy charges uh, like exactly what's happened here. They're going to come after us with everything that they have. And uh, if you're on the political left, you get away with everything. Yeah, I don't think you can even use the word justice because on the one side, there's no accountability. Yeah. And on the other side, there's persecution. So yeah. neither of those instances well, is justice involved. Justice is supposed to be blind and we don't have that. It's not blind at all. It's quite the opposite. I mean, people are pointing out how Garland is going after Bannon, but this is the same Garland who probably perjured himself in front of Congress a few weeks ago with what's coming out. And it just, it really is mind boggling. There are no words for it. There's no pretense at all in any kind of blind justices. No, none. That brings up a question I have about the Bannon thing. So, I'm hoping, Ed, you can explain this because it's just, again, I don't know anything. So, but Alan Dershowitz had said um, 
I'm quoting him. Nobody knows whether or not Bannon has the right to refuse to answer if the president tells him not to. How do we not know that? Like, how is the law not clear on whether or not Bannon has the right? Well, I didn't see what what he said, but I think what Dershowitz is getting at is, does Trump's claim of executive privilege survive his presidency? Because is, that, the, is, is the, this the, never this question's never been asked before? Is that I mean, I don't think it has because I don't think any president has been hounded after he was left after he left office the way Trump has been. Um, but in Who addition decides? to the, oh, sorry. I mean, uh, well, I mean, the first issue is, like you said, Bannon raises the defense, uh, you know, claims executive privilege. And they prosecute him criminally over that. That is absurd and insane. But on top of that, to me, I think there's a huge separation of powers issue here. Congress can only issue subpoenas for a valid legislative purpose. I don't see what the legislative purpose was. The the subpoenas were issued in September of 2021, after Trump has left office. There's no way to impeach him. There's no legislation that they're considering. I mean, insofar as there's any, insofar as there's any you know, post-presidency impeachment, it's a kangaroo court because you've got members on that committee that are suing President uh, President Trump. To me, it, there's no valid legislative purpose to the, to the subpoenas. So uh, to me, it, not only is it not criminal, it's it's what's criminal is that they're prosecuting him, not that it not that he didn't testify. So obviously, I'm a big fan of the EJS show on the Liberty Block. It's out there on every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. But why is it I have to listen to that show to hear that argument? I don't think I've heard others making that. Why is that? I don't know. I mean, maybe I need to get a promotion somewhere. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you up for a promotion. I do remember they always said that. Um, and then obviously there's the Eric Holder, you know, being held in contempt of Congress and just walking away and laughing. I mean, it really is mind boggling. Now, Bannon's out there saying this is the, I don't know, indictment from hell or what, misdemeanor from hell. I have no idea where this is heading. The way I understand it, if they want to lock him up and throw away the key, they don't even need a trial. And how do I know that? I know that from January 6th. Well, did they did they set bail for him or are they holding him? Well, he's having a hearing. He went in to be um, processed. And I think, isn't he having a hearing like today or tomorrow or something? Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. But I mean, he can have the same hearings that the January 6th people had. You know, there used to be a time where it wasn't fathomable that the FBI could take somebody and just lock them up and throw away the key. But we're no longer in that time. So Bannon can yell as much as he wants until they just decide lock him up and who's going to stop him? It's a good question. I mean, that's the that's the issue of the January 6th defendants. Which is why I wouldn't be as, uh, what's the word? Can't think of the word I'm looking for. Brazen? I don't mean brazen. But as confident, I guess, as Bannon is because they can do anything they want to him. And then, you know, going back to the O'Keefe thing. So, and it, again, here you have a journalist and what that line is for being a journalist Nobody seems to know. I mean, are we journalists because we have a podcast? And if not, why not? 
And how many listeners? Ask this same question. How many listeners do you need to be quote unquote a journalist? And if the FBI can raid a journalist's house at six o'clock in the morning when he's in his pajamas or less, I mean, it looks like the ACLU has said something. Politico has said something. But this is absolutely unbelievable. And again, they're going to get away with it. So my understanding, the ACLU's argument really revolved around press freedom. So that begged my question. So what if, look at the world we live in. There's a lot of people um, going out there and doing the work that we've already acknowledged our media is not doing, actual investigative journalism and sharing things, right? There, I know or, small organizations in my area who are, you know, they're looking through um, local government getting FOIA stuff to show the public things. What constitutes then press legally? If press have the, if, if, if there's a legal distinction for the press to have, have certain rights and freedoms to do their job, what defines that? Does, does just any local person, you know, FOIAing something and sharing it in a newspaper do they have the same protections? Does anybody well, have protections? That's, that's I mean, that's that's the issue that they're raising with James O'Keefe, and they've been raising that with James O'Keefe for years, that he's not a real journalist. Yeah, so that's why you, I, I want to say, okay, what constitutes a real journalist? But Jody, um, Jody I don't want to be condescending, but if you just look in the Constitution, it actually specifically says under the First Amendment that it only applies to Democratic journalists. <laughs> oh, shit. You know what? I missed that part. Darn it. Because that's what the world we're living in oh, it really is that bad. I, mean, I know. Doesn't the free press go way back to like the anonymous pamphlets? Isn't that part of its pre-threads? So you didn't need to have the New York Times to be a journalist. Correct. And, like, and in fact, the, the anonymous pamphleteers were crucial to the revolution. Well, does anybody know in a court of law, there has to be then, is there a distinction? I mean, is there a legal, a legal distinction between that provides certain protections for, for the press? Does there have to be then a legal definition of what constitutes the press? The Supreme Court, to my knowledge, has never decided a case based on whether somebody was or was not a member of the press. Um, I, can't, sure I, that... I can't think of the names now, but I, I, I know there's lots of lower court rulings that, uh, that um, they say this person is a member of the press and that person is not a member of the press, even though- they're, Right, well, that's they're what I was gonna say. Members. It's a case by case basis. There is no firm test. Where does that put us today when, you know, I mean, are we living on, you know, the press from 30 years ago, what constituted the press? Because everything is really different now. You well, know? that's the, it's true. That's the Marcuse amendment to the first amendment. It's like, and really, you only know, leftists count. I just did that. <laughs> right, we did. <laughs> I didn't have a name for it. But yes, yeah, so I, a I blog- was slightly more erudite than you, but that's is it. Is a blogger. A member of the press? I mean, these are these are good questions that you're raising, Jody. Yeah, well, no, I mean, okay, so I, I could see what just the statement a blogger, but if it's a blogger, like I said, who has 
actually investigated things, has done sure. the FOIAs, has gone through um, reports and dug pieces out, you know, and is giving that to the public. Why is that not the press, the reporter, somebody exposing the truth? My view is I take a much wider view of the press. I think that if you're speaking, you're the press. I love that view. That's what I think. I mean, you have this in the simple cases where cops are arresting somebody on the street and you're standing there videoing it and they say you have to leave and you say I'm a journalist. And it, it just happens almost every day, this issue. And I don't know who gets to decide. You know, those of us who don't have a necklace that says press pass or journalist or whatever. I could make one. And wow. the weird thing is, you know, uh, President Trump started giving out White House passes to alternative uh, journalists. And Lauren Southern went to the White House once and actually asked a question. And uh, obviously, you know, like all things Trump did, he had a good idea and then didn't follow through with it, right? I mean, that's the thing. They sh he should have had uh, all of these. Uh, sh he should have had at least an equal number of uh, all um, press people in as they do the mainstream press. And he should have called on them half the time. Um, he occasionally called on OANN and whatever, you know, beautiful blonde woman they sent would ask a, you know, stupid, friendly question instead of asking a real question. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, that that's the way to break the monopoly is, is if you ever get, you know, in charge, uh, again, if we ever get in charge again, which we won't, but if we ever do, then, you know, just open up the White House press pool to, uh, to bloggers. I mean, I guess I'm curious, even what is the dictionary definition of press or journalist? Ooh, good question. Well, that I can tell you because I have an OED subscription. Uh, I'm, I'm just uh, leery now that we're giving them some ideas to go ahead and start to, to finding this on the left. So. Right. Um, oh, it's coming. We, we might want to suppress this portion of the program. Well, we have tried to define it. They try to define people like Project Veritas out. And, and that's the you know, so. I, I think once they do start defining things, and, and you see this more in the, the labor sector, right? When they start defining who's an independent contractor and who's an employee and who's this and who's that, it's just another way for them to ha have government insert itself uh, in, in, into other areas of our lives that we don't want, um, you know, we don't. We really don't want any of these definitions of what your relationship is as a worker, somebody who provides a, a product or service to somebody. Because so we've seen we, we've seen this. Just a great example is the AB four in California, where they they have really done enormous harm to freelancers and independent contractors by redefining things, telling companies that you have to consider somebody an employee and extend all those benefits to them. So I don't really want them defining too much of what, what the press is. <laughs> and am I correct that, I mean, I have no idea what I'm talking about here, but am I correct that you're not, al not allowed to have any system of licensing journalists because of the First Amendment? What do you mean by licensing journalists? Like a doctor gets in a license. Most states, every single profession can't be practiced without a license, whether you're cutting hair or threading eyebrows, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But isn't the press always excluded from those laws because of the First Amendment? 
Well, I don't know if they're excluded because of, I don't know if that's the reason they're excluded, but I know that any license on First Amendment activity has to be essentially ministerial, meaning, uh, you know, if you want to like they could have a licensing system that just requires you to sign up. You know, in order to be a, a press pool, you know, a White House press correspondent, you've got to, you know, just register with them and say, I'm a press person. What they can't do is have discretion to say, yes, you are. No, you're not. Right. It's got to be ministerial that you file the paperwork and they just say, yes, OK. So they can't make you take a six month course like they can to somebody who wants to threat. Correct. And I believe it goes back to the First Amendment. You know, it's interesting what you bring up because I'm a man of the cloth and I can officiate at weddings anywhere in New York State other than New York City. Because in New York City, the law is I can only do so if I go downtown to City Hall and put my name in a book. And I guess that's what you're kind of alluding to. Right. I mean, think about other First Amendment activity, like 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 having a parade permit or a protest permit. They can you can get you have to get a license in order to have a protest somewhere. But they the, the licensing process has to just be here's the here's the paper. Fill out who's the one who's responsible, who's the one who, you know, who's the one who's going to pay for the cleanup or who's going to, you know, who's going to be uh, organizing the protest. And as soon as you file this piece of paper, you automatically will get the, the license. Um, same thing with like a charitable solicitation, right? There are like I think 42 states and a bunch of localities that require you to get a license before you can mail charitable solicitations to to other people those solicitations are considered fully protected speech but the licensing system is 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 allowed as long as there's no way for the licensor to discriminate based on viewpoint it's it's got to be purely fill out your name address phone number and you know and and pretty much that's it and then uh we'll give you your permit to 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 mail into our jurisdiction so Same that's kind of always going to make it really difficult to ever define who's press and who's not press. Um, I'm not sure why, but. Because you're saying it can't be a qualification. It can only be just listing yourself. Right. I mean, to me, I think that's that argues for a pretty broad definition right. of what so press would be. It would make it very difficult for some organization or state to say you know, like everybody can be a psychotherapist, but you can only be a clinical social worker if you have a state license and state training, et cetera. It would be very difficult for them to ever pull that off for any kind of journalist. Even though, you know, TV journalists are always yelling that we're the only true journalists and, you know, New York Times and Washington Post are the only real people in the press. But I would assume that bar is going to be really hard to reach because of these rules, because of the First Amendment. Yeah. I want um, to, well, I mean, I'm justice system and threats because, you know, going back to double standard, lack of standard, you have the BLM person in New York City basically threatening to burn down the whole city if he doesn't get his way. And that's OK. But a parent who yells at a board meeting is in FBI trouble. And it's it, again, that's it's so in your face, blatant that a terroristic threat that's clearly a terroristic threat is cool. But if somebody wants to go and defend against it, he's a terrorist. Mm -hmm. 
one of the um, points that uh, somebody made on the on this Rikia Law stream today um, was that uh, all of this prosecutorial misconduct that has been shown in the Rittenhouse trial is not unusual. It's what that's done all the time. It, it, everybody's getting a look at how this sausage is made, and I think that goes to the the prosecutorial discretion, which Steve was talking about with regard to you know um, charging someone with terroristic threats versus char not charging someone else when the first person says stop, you know, indoctrinating my child, and the second one says they're going to kill you you know, something like that. And um, I think I think we're all getting sort of red-pilled into the, the justice system now that, um, you know, when we well, can see- Well, the ones some, paying attention to actually well, what's happening. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's I, I agree. It's only the ones paying you know, attention. If you're There's watching a lot CNN, more people ABC paying attention. News, NBC News, you're getting little snippets that only will enrage you about this young man and how it was about race. Not to, not to divert the, uh, you know, attention on, um, onto uh, Rittenhouse, but the, you know, the raid on, on O'Keefe and all of the FBI malfeasance that we've learned about from the, um, from the Trump Russia hoax, uh, to the arrest of, uh, of, uh, Roger Stone to, all of the other uh, lying in front of the courts and uh, the January 6th. Um, they just, they just sentenced uh, the, the QAnon shaman. shaman to 41 months in prison for something that I, I don't quite understand. I, I, again, they were all trespassing. So that should be a $250 fine, certainly. Um, you know, four hundred dollars if they really if they're real serious. But he was carrying a, a weapon of sorts, right? So he had well, he had a stick of some sort. I, I guess they called it a spear, but it wasn't. He had to plead guilty because he had ineffective counsel. That's the problem. Is um, I don't know what to say. This Rittenhouse is getting ineffective counsel too. Um, the you yep. Know, you should see the Riquetta Law Stream, and there's ten lawyers on there, and all screaming at the defense panels, you know, through the entire trial, you know, object to this, object to this, they can't do that, they can't do that. And then the, obviously the defense counsel is not listening. So they're not, they're not really giving him effective counsel. And uh, I well, not only not only is it, uh, is it an effective counsel for those particular objections, I, I can't understand why they didn't just do a bench trial. Why did they choose a jury in the first place? I mean, on a technical legal matter, there is no way that that this that that they there is no way the prosecution proved beyond a reasonable doubt or could prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this was not self-defense. There's just no way. And a judge would never have would never have convicted here. I, I just don't believe it would have. I think uh, Riqueda himself some, said something like um if you have a bench trial, you have to convince 100% of the jurors. But if you have a jury trial, you only have to con uh, convince like, you know, 8% of the jurors. Um, so it's uh, it's going with the odds, I think, is what he said. Yeah, but I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it is, though. 
There are the, the other thing is that the um, the prosecutorial prosecution brought in some all crazy and lies and whatnot, but uh, arguments that require findings of fact. So you can't have a judge do that. That's the problem. Um, so I think yeah, you can you can choose a judge to to make findings of fact. That's the defendant's choice. Oh, okay. Right, because that's his right to waive, and there's nothing a prosecutor could do about it, right? Correct. So, so that's really interesting. So why do you think they did it, Ed? I'm not sure they were thinking. I don't know. I can't think of a good reason why you would want to take a chance on who's going to be in the jury pool. I mean... Do they have avenues for malpractice with attorneys like they do with doctors? Yeah, sure. But I mean, it's hardly ever, um, there's a code of conduct, right? I mean, everybody, every profession has a code of conduct, um, but you have to like, you have to prove they're in the black, right? There's the black, there's the white, and there's the gray. And as long as they can show they're in the gray, then they're out of, uh, and, and, you know, obviously it's all the old boys network and stuff. Um, you know, you, the you really- watching The hen, or the roosters watching the hen house. Yeah. I mean, you got to have uh, serious- <laughs> You know what I mean? What law did the prosecutor allegedly violate by pulling that gun? The the when the in the Rittenhouse trial, when the um, prosecutor pointed the rifle at the jury, um, that obviously violated the state's brandishing laws. But again, someone mentioned in the in the stream that um, there is an exception for uh, prosecutors in the performance of their duties in the courtroom to like a broad immunity kind of uh, principle. I don't know whether it's law, but there's a broad immunity uh, and that, um, you know, assuming the prosecutor would ever prosecute himself, which is of course ridiculous, uh, that there, there is this concept of immunity that would apply to him in, in his official duties. But I'll tell you what, if I were on the jury, I would have dove to the floor if he pointed the gun at me. You know, I'm if you've been defense counsel, Ed, shouldn't defense counsel have pointed out they're prosecuting Kyle for allegedly being reckless and look at what they're doing? Of yeah. course. I mean, I, yeah, again, I'm not a trial lawyer. I just play one on TV. But I mean, you, you I, I think the law, having been involved in just a few legal cases in my life, I, I think the law isn't that hard. There's a lot of things to memorize. There's the rules of evidence. There's the you know, um, you know, uh, rules of civil procedure, rules of criminal procedure. And these are very long, complicated things. And you have to kind of know them by, by heart, right? I mean, that's why you have to pass the bar and whatnot. Um, and you have to be, you have to understand how to research case law, which is also, again, hard, but I mean, a lot easier now than it was back when I was making the decision not to go into law. Um, because you have the internet. So it, it's, uh, it's not that difficult. And one of the comments that I made to Riketa last night in the, in the chat, which he actually answered, was um, the, the motion for mistrial was just really terribly written. I mean, as a, as a, it was just awful. Like as a piece of text, like if I'm going to present this to the judge, it, it was just awful. And um, my question is, you know, it's a capital murder trial. Is, is this the quality that you expect? And he said, oh, absolutely. Things that are rushed like this just are generally crap. 
Well, didn't Rittenhouse, didn't he have trouble getting somebody to defend him because of the circumstances? Or no, no. See, the interesting thing is, again, the guy, one of the guys on the chat is Robert Barnes. He is a well-known defense attorney and of, you know, of all the people in, you know, on the stream right now, uh, he, he is just about one of the best. He represented Kyle until about a week before the trial, he said. He was part of the, of the legal team. And um, again, what he said, and I'm, I'm putting words in his mouth, but it, it appears that there's some sort of family Rasputin at work in the Rittenhouse family that is talking to the parents and convincing them to do this and not that and to get this guy and not that guy. And apparently ejecting Barnes from the legal team was this Rasputin fellow's idea and once he's you know once he's off the team but um he he clearly is the um it is the big brains uh, andrew bronca of course is law of self-defense.com he is uh, all he does is consult on self-defense cases and so he's seen a ton of them uh one of the panelists said uh, probably ricada said in an entire lawyer defense lawyer's career he might see four innocent self-defense claims. Um, so, so they just don't know how to defend it. Defend it. That's why you bring in specialists like, uh, like Bronca. And, um, and Barnes was saying it, that the defense didn't do proper jury selection. In fact, what he recommended, and he said he would fund himself because he has access to crowdfunding, uh, was a parallel jury. So you get 100 people, a third, a third, a third, leaning towards conviction, towards acquittal and undecided. You stick them in a room, you show them nothing but the uh, feed every day from the court. And then at, at each night, you sort of give them questionnaires or, or you give them like, if you've ever been in a, um, if you've ever been in a focus group, they give you these little buttons where you like push like red for feeling bad and green for feeling good when you're given a presentation. And, and so potentially give that. And, and so you let them say, you know, red for I'm feeling to convict or green for I'm feeling to acquit. And you do this and then you debrief them every night. And then you use that to feed back into the uh, lawyer's motions and the, the testimony the next day. And, he, and, and Barnes said he would do it for free, absolutely for free. And that is, it would be very expensive. It might cost $20,000, $30,000, but there's, he, could, he could raise that money easily and um and they just didn't do it they didn't do it and so um they didn't want to do it okay so thinking as a jaded person um do you think there's any possibility then the defense doesn't want to doesn't want to win the case well certainly kyle doesn't want to spend the rest of his life in prison i i, I don't know about the rasputin character which he they, didn't mention he didn't would they purposefully do a bad job because they don't want to be on the receiving end of the violence well, that's coming if he's acquitted the worst part about it and i you know it was today the the prosecution of defense and the judge were all arguing about this video evidence and none of them knew the first thing about video i i mean the first thing and obviously all these YouTubers uh, know a little bit about video because you can't do YouTube without video. And, um, you know, I think the idea that this, this uh, man's life is on the line 
based on the fact that these, you know, these idiots, I mean, these people don't know anything. And of course, they're trying to make a decision without calling like a new witness to explain it to them. They're all, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, until you would think that they would say, okay, look, we got to get an expert in here, you know, testimony about from the pixels part where they changed yeah. Yeah, the, it's, the, the, the details said, are on it important. The, get, the judge yeah. said that to the prosecution. You need to get a if this is a question, you need to have uh, bring in, you know, your your expert testimony to address it. And yet they're making they're making judges making rulings based on on what? On nothing. And I, I, I on 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 the idiots on the prosecution and the idiots in the defense arguing about things they they don't know about. I mean, the, the one woman on the defense who seemed to know the first thing about video was talking about millibytes. I mean, how do you make that mistake, right? I mean, how is that even possible in, in human life? I don't even, how does that person on the, how do you not know things like that? That's critical for the trial. You got to know stuff. So I, I, again, it's a, it's a fiasco, but I, I what I'm learning in this trial, again, according to the commentary, is that this is common. This is common because nobody goes to trial, right? 98% of the take pleas like uh, the QAnon shaman. Well, I, I'll pleas. also say as a lawyer, all the, all the lawyer TV shows and movies have sort of jaded the public into thinking lawyers are better than they are. Mm. Good um, point. It, you know, and I mean, I went to law school, you know, 30 years, you know, over 30 years ago. Um, even then, you know, we were warned, you know, not everybody is Perry Mason. You know, I mean, nobody's Perry Mason. It's a TV show. And if he gets it wrong, he gets to just do another take. You yeah. don't get to do another take when you're in court. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing about television, which I'm not, you know, that into nowadays, if you look at the TV guide, you'll find out that all the shows are like cop shows, lawyer shows, and medical shows. And every single one of that genre is propaganda, right? I mean, it, it's deliberate propaganda. Mm -hmm. you know, lawyers are brilliant, Perry Mason, or whatever the law and order, um, you know, what is it? Law, law and order SUV. That's the, uh, or uh, and, and the doctor and the doctors are all Dr. House. They're all brilliant. And when we know that, you know, medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the in the country every year. And, and this whole political covid craziness where you're not allowed to treat people, you know, oh, I have covid. OK, go home and come back if you can't breathe. Um, and the and of course, the cop shows are all explicitly propaganda because they all have to go and get like some police department, usually the LAPD or the NYPD or the FBI to uh, support the show. And of course they insist upon it being complete propaganda that though the FBI fidelity, bra bravery, integrity, um, in instead of the, you know, the Hans Gruber approach, you know, which is these, you know, I, I'm I, the smart criminal banks on the fact that the FBI are idiots. Well, you know, uh, I used to watch the West Wing talk about propaganda, but you know, I, I bought it hook, hook, line and sinker. I remember, you know, feeling that, oh, the president, oh, look, he's just, he's, he was always had the moral high ground. He always just cared about others and the people and the law. And he was so good. And you wanted to usher all this power into this one man's hand because he's so good. Yeah, yeah. And it legitimately worked for me. 
Well, yeah, Aaron Sorkin is a great propagandist. I mean, there's a some comedian on one of the shows, and I forget who it was, said something like, "We all we all wish that uh, politics was like the West Wing, and we all fear that it's like House of Cards." But what it really is like is Veep. And as far as I can tell, if you've watched all the shows, you know, House of Cards is this evil manipulator kind of, uh, and West Wing is the you know this good liberal guy, and Veep is like it's a comedy of errors because they're all idiots. And it, I, by the way, Veep is one of the all time. It's the second best politics show ever put on Wait, television. Wait, where is it? Is it on Netflix or what? HBO, HBO. Oh, okay. yeah. I've got to watch it. it. I never it's fantastic. It. It's fantastic. It's Julie Louis Dreyfus from Seinfeld as oh. the the. Clueless, manipulative, uh, um, narcissistic uh, vice president. And it, she is doing the Hill. He, she is doing she's just turning Hillary up a little bit, you know, just a little <laughs> bit. Um, but she's doing the best sort of Hillary impersonation I've ever I've ever seen. And it can't at some level not be intentional. But the, the weird thing is, like, it's almost when you turn Hillary up and make Hillary a little bit more comical, what you get is Kamala Harris. So she might have been doing Kamala Harris like in advance, like some- Prematurely. That's who I thought you were describing there for a second. Yeah, so anyway, the point is these TV programs are all propaganda, right? The cop shows are all propaganda. I mean, the cops are, are, are you know, they're, they're good cops, but most of them are horrible people. They, um, especially the feds and, you know, the. The court shows we've learned that the, the, these lawyers don't know anything about the law. They don't know anything about the facts and they don't know anything about the, they point rifles at the jury. I mean, what, they're idiots. And, uh, and the medical shows, right? Of course, they're all propaganda too. So when you eliminate that, that's at least, I don't know, two thirds of television now. So, uh, or two thirds of network television. And this so it's why I only television. watch the Hallmark channel. Well, even the Hallmark Channel, you know, they have propaganda, too, because we've been into the Hallmark Channel recently. And that's uh, the military pays for two or three uh, movies each year um, about uh, uh, where where it start, uh, where it focuses on veterans and and or people who are deployed. Um, I think we watched uh, watch one the other night randomly. And it's explicit propaganda, you know. It's, really? it's, it's, yeah, oh, there, I remember watching one last year, something like the propagating that. love. No, it's it's like um, that's what I get. It, yeah, yeah. In the in the military propaganda, they pay for it, right? They pay. The military pays for scripts. I mean, it's crazy, right? But I think one of them was like, well, the dad has to, you know, he falls in love with the girl, typical Hallmark movie, but then he's called back for deployment. So he has to go and everybody's, you know, sad, but we'll, we'll wait for you. And it's all propaganda. It's like, why is he going? Well, I haven't seen that one and I watch Hallmark Channel every day, but. Um, Fuckistan, you know, so anyway, it, there's a lot of propaganda on TV and I think it leads people, you know, the CSI, obviously the whole CSI genre of shows has made the um, glorification of you know physical evidence, DNA evidence, and whatnot, uh, so ubiquitous in people's minds that they won't convict anybody anymore um, without DNA evidence. And then we find out that the FBI crime lab, for instance, this is a scandal know, five or six years ago, had completely misused uh, evidence. And there was, uh, I don't know, you guys might remember more than I did, that throughout you know hundreds and hundreds of cases because of the basically misconduct on the FBI crime lab, but I, I, that's the, what they caught, right? I mean, I, my uh, step-grandfather was uh, 
a cop, a state policeman in, in, in not Virginia, Pennsylvania. And, you know, he was retired when he ma married my grandmother. They told about, oh, he lied all, all, he lied on the stand all the time. Oh, they were scumbags. They deserved to go away. Oh, Lord. I mean, I, I, was he different? I mean, he, he was a jerk, but was he different than anybody else? You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have any evidence of... Uh, Okay, can that segue to something I was hoping we'd get to, and I think Steve, you were as well, the Liz Cheney thing. I just want to make one quick point. Um, I think to me, at least, since we're talking about TV, is it not obvious who's going to play the prosecutor when the movie comes out? Oh, Alec wait. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, thank you, Ed. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> we, you heard it here first. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, shoot. I don't know if I'm going to No, get... don't say shoot, for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> that was perfectly timed. <laughs> Darn it. No, okay. Hey, and, and don't don't jump the gun either, okay? Sorry. Oh, and the, the Alec Baldwin, I apologize for jumping in it. Uh, but I mean, there is a... Remember, Kyle was arrested the next day for what was clearly, even then, even the next day, it was clearly self-defense. We all saw the video. It was clearly self-defense nobody's been arrested. Nobody's been or even arraigned, right, in the Alec Baldwin shooting. You know, it's no one. I mean, it, it's worth... How, how about any of the people who had guns that in, in Kenosha? Well, uh, Grosskreutz, you know, before he was disarmed, um, he had a, a illegal, illegal pistol. He hasn't been charged, right? So, again, it's... Uh, and and you know the Steve Bannon. I, I thought Steve Bannon's um, videos before he turned himself in um, were some of the best things I've seen lately because he, it was basically him saying we're going to fight, we're going to fight. You know, it's, it's the Churchill, we're going to, you know, we're going to fight them on the beaches speech. Um, and I hope he's correct because that's what's necessary. Go ahead, Jody. Okay, so I have a question. This I'm going to read a part from something that um, we have in our show notes about the, the Liz Cheney thing. So it says, Chris Christie admitted in a new interview that he doesn't regret voting for Donald Trump twice, despite his stop the steal insanity. I agree. I don't regret my votes. Which cuts to the heart of the logic that continues to bind even most Trump skeptical Republicans to the former president. When push comes to shove, they'll look the other way at how power is gained and retained so long as they get the policies they like. I do not subscribe to that. And even though I say I don't regret my votes for Trump, um, I don't like it when we act as the left acts and we say, as, so long as we get power, all, all bets are off. Everything's off the table. Criminal behavior is allowed. I and I'm not sure if this this article is this. It was they were they being funny? Were they being you know? Were they just saying it as it is? I I don't subscribe to that. And I'm wondering how many people you guys think sort of subscribe to that. That we don't care uh, if it's done illegally. And they even said. If we can keep the White House away from Democrats, even if they want it fairly, do it and worry about the civic niceties later. 
I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think most Republicans are, right? We're That's why they lose. <laughs> well, I don't want the, the choice to be either we we lose or we have to do things that are morally and legally were apprehensible that we would say are unacceptable if the other side does it. And, and when we're on the other side of the barbed wire in the concentration camp, uh, we can go to the ovens uh, knowing that we did not violate our morals uh, in fighting back on the left. The uh, Curtis Yarvin, again, the blogger and author- What's the end result? What is the end result? Either way, we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. We all, I think way. we all agree with that. But uh, Curtis Yarvin makes the point that politics is like um, is like uh, you know what's the God brain doesn't work the swim match where you throw the ball around. What's the uh, water polo? Water polo. It's politics like water polo. Like you only see a little bit that's above the water, and that's all the referee gets to judge you on the referee only sees what's above the water but like 90 percent of the game goes on below the water where you're kicking and punching and biting and and trying to struggle and whatnot and he says politics is like that if you're not playing the underwater game in politics then you don't want to win just like in water polo if you don't play the underwater game i don't this is Um, is unacceptable i mean it's not always been how it is in the united states has it has oh pretty much oh absolutely really this way oh yes the law is really irrelevant. Winning is the only thing. And going back at least to 1800. Irrelevant and really. Going at least back. Then I want, I, then I would love to, I, I, the, both of those end results are unacceptable to me, meaning losing or I, I'd either choose between losing to corrupt people who have no moral compass and ignore the law or becoming corrupt, ignoring the law and immoral. I both of those choices. I think it depends really on the situation, Jody. Maybe I mean, third route. What's the third route, Jody? I think it depends on the situation. You know, I mean, take we've been spending a lot of time talking about the Rittenhouse trial. If they railroad him and put him in jail, and somebody wants to take a bulldozer and ram that jail down and get him out, I will cheer them on. I don't care that it's illegal. I know it's illegal. I'm not going to be the one who does it, but I am all for it. That is what what they're trying to do to that kid is outrageous. And if it takes, if we have to break the law to protect him, then we should do it because he, he deserves to be protected. He is a hero. What about, you know, the other avenue of, you know, uh, appeal and, you know, other, okay. Find but, other but, ways. So I think the question is, can be formulated like this. It's like, what's the point of government, right? What's the point of government? The point of government is, is to protect the rights of its citizens. So suppose we had, a guy who is ruthless in power uh, and enriches himself, but you know, in 98% of the time, he's conscientious in protecting the rights of the citizen. In other words, what if we had an Augustus? Because that's why Augustus changed the Roman system, right? And led to a, a 200 years of a golden era because the corrupt democratic Republican system got to the point where um, it, it came to violence, just like it's coming to violence now. And, and uh, while it took a civil war, Augustus basically became a military dictator, but he didn't actually act like a military dictator. He acted as a guy who had suggestions. And so he, he ruled by suggestion, right? 
And most of his suggestions were good. I mean, in, in the context of the Roman era 2000 years ago, all of the suggestions were good. But from our perspective, the amount of taxation the Roman people and the, and the, you know, the conquered peoples were under was like a tenth of what they are today. Um, the, there was almost complete religious freedom. There was almost complete uh, freedom of, of the press, except for insulting you know, Augustus himself. There, you know, there, there are these little teeny exceptions and the people back then were way more free. They were now they didn't know as much, they didn't have technology and whatnot. But um, so again, if you're asking me, oh, and Augustus became, you know, the wealthiest man in the world, right? Because he, he owned, he, as he owned Egypt as his personal property. So if you're asking me who I want, Biden or Augustus, I'm going to say Augustus. But if you're asking me who, who do I want, you know, Biden, Augustus or a free country, obviously I'd take a free country. I, I, I just don't see that on the agenda for the near future. That's all. Jody, the story I really wanted to bring up about the Liz Cheney thing was that the Wyoming Republican Party has basically kicked her out, which I think is a really, really good thing. Um, what it will translate to bottom line, I don't know, but it's nice to see any Republicans anywhere standing up for anything. I, I don't think they kicked her out. I think the kicking her out is a more- Recognize her as a Republican. Yeah, that, that, it, it was like, uh, yes, it was something less than expelling her from the party. Which but, I don't know if they can expel from a party. I have no idea what the rules are, but it was, yeah. it was at least a very strong statement and it's not the first Republican statement that's come out against her. So I think that's a good thing. Well, you, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's something good in a good direction. Do you think it, they're doing it solely because of her stance on Trump? Well, she's participating in the J6 uh, hearings <laughs> right. uh, as, a, as a patsy for Pelosi. So if you're a patsy for Pelosi, you're out. But I mean, you can vote for that abusive infrastructure bill. People let you do that. That's stupid. It's abusive. It has terrible it things. It doesn't make any it. sense to me. I mean, I just, that doesn't it's, make sense. To me. It's TDS. <laughs> and you guys remember when Bush and Cheney were the two dirtiest words yeah. in the English language? Isn't it hysterical? George Bush is just, you know, big pals of Clinton and Obama, and Cheney is like a darling right now. It's unbelievable. Well, that always happens. Nixon got uh, rehabilitated as soon as he didn't have any power. And that's what the, these are, it's all one club. Right. It's all one club. Except for Trump. Except for Trump. And, you know, look at Paul Gosar. He, he published a meme on Twitter um, from a, a, an anime with like Pelosi's or, or AOC's face on the villain and, and like him chopping the villain or whatever. And he's being censured today in the House of Representatives, may have his committee stripped for posting a, a meme. And, um, you know, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Memes, funny memes are the language of politics nowadays. And if you can't, remember where, um, oh, what's her name? The ex-governor of Alaska uh, published. Hey, yeah, published a, uh, you know, a, like, these are the Democrats were targeting like little X's on them. And they're like, oh my God, she Hold wants on. to murder them. I was like, come on. I mean, the, the, using military uh, metaphors has been, um, I mean, military metaphors is used in every aspect of business and, you know, uh, uh, football, sports, uh, politics. 
uh, oh, but we're now going to, um, we're, we're now going to punish her because she used a, a military metaphor. And the same thing with uh, Gosar. And it's just, it's abuse of power. And I wonder, the problem is that this would stop if the Republicans had any balls. Exactly. Like, like oh, here's the deal. When we win back the House, we're going to expel the squad from all of our committees. That's the that's our that's what we're running on. Like there's six of them now in the squad. We're going to remove them from all committees. That's our that's our plan. That is one winning strategy. And Pelosi and the Democrats deserve it because of the way they've treated uh, individual Republican representatives. And if the GOP ran on it and did it, this would stop instantly. From, from now on, that all these games would stop, but they don't have the cojones to use the power when they have it. That's the problem. Look, I don't want them to use power against us, but if they use power against the Democratic representatives, I'm fine with that. Gain the power, use the power, crush them. That's the point. Like we've said, like we've said a million times, it's not they don't use the power, it's they do not care. Yeah. I, I, they are probably in, in you know, okay. it's in their well, interest not to. Story before we start to wrapping up, because I think it's a really global story, this fight between the Defense Department and the Oklahoma National Guard, with the Oklahoma National Guard saying, we are not going to follow these vaccine mandates, and the Pentagon saying, you will listen to us, I think is a really, really interesting fight. It, it seems to get to, I don't know, whether it's you know the 10th Amendment, whether it's states' rights, whether it's everything, I don't know. Ed Masley, share any comments on it? It's what I've been saying all along. Local officials, local government officials have to just say no. You're not going to do this in our state. Authority in some way, especially because it's military. Do you have any idea? Do I have any idea? What's what was the first part of the question? What legal authority rules because this is military? Like, I think this gets into what exactly is the National Guard. Yeah, the National Guard is solely under the command of the governors unless they are called into service for the uh, of the nation, which they are not. To my so, knowledge, that's no longer true because they are funded by DOD. They're not really a militia. Even, even if that's the case, Steve, I mean, I, I think that Ed Powell is right, but I would refer back to what Ed was saying in the previous segment. Use the power that you have. Fight them at any level. Do it whatever you have to do. There is no reason to comply with tyranny, period. And and that's what they need to say. No, I They're totally doing the right agree thing. with you, but when the Pentagon says to this brigadier general who runs the National Guard, guess what? You're no longer in the Army. What is he going to do? Well, the issue with the National Guard is, you know, basically the the Secretary of Defense says you will be you'll be vaxxed or gone. The commander of the Oklahoma National Guard says, no, we won't. And then I guess it I mean, it should stop there. But it, it again goes to federal court and you uh, basically litigate it out and hope it takes and a couple of know, years. Can you litigate a military thing like this. Well, it's not a military thing. It's a constitutional thing, right? Because, you know, the, the, if, if they say uh, you won't get any federal funding, then you just say, okay, we won't get any federal funding. And if they say, well, you, you, or, we're not going to put you in the rotation to deploy into our foreign wars, uh, you say, perfect. And if they, you know, if they say, um, you know, you will do this or we'll, and 
or we'll come in with tanks. You say, no, you won't. You, you know, know, those okay. of us who are in the, those us in the independence movements, and one of the questions that always comes up is what about the state militia and the state guard and who do they belong to and everything? Maybe this is going to help clarify what exactly these units are because it seems so incredibly um, blurry. You know, my stepson's in the guard and he reports to the governor, but he can be deployed by the president any day, doesn't need war, doesn't need anything. And this is way too murky for anybody. I, to I, yeah, I mean, obviously the, um, the Deep South seceded because of slavery, but Virginia seceded because Lincoln violated the constitution with regard to, um, you know, calling out the militia, right? So the, the Lincoln conservatives think that, um, well, the Civil War, uh, you know, settled this question at all, as if wars can settle intellectual arguments, right? Um, and I, I think we just keep fighting. I mean, I, I just don't see why you just don't say no. Just say no. I think this is a really important story, and I don't know if it's even getting as much play as it should. I mean, do you guys agree that it's really an important story? Well, I think the whole vax mandate thing, I and mean, look what they're doing in Austria now. They're shutting people. I, I don't know whether you've seen the videos, but they're, they're not only uh, disallowing everybody from going into public if they don't have their vaccine cards, but they're deploying the uh, police to, to go around and ask random people who are walking on the street and walking in stores and everything to show uh, their papers. I thought they would have learned this lesson seven years ago, but apparently they haven't. And... Um, you know, obviously, uh, I don't know whether you know, the conservative uh, YouTube vlogger, uh, Brittany Pettibone, is, is nine months pregnant in, in Vienna right now, and she's not allowed to go to the hospital to have her kid. So, I mean, that's just insanity. I mean, it's, it's literally insane. And, and, oh, by the way, it, the vaccines are very, very dangerous in the first three months of pregnancy. And, I, uh, and th this has come out on multiple sources. And do I blame uh, Brittany for not getting the vaccine, even if she was pro-vaccine? Like, do I blame her for not getting the vaccine? No, of course I don't. But the, they're not going to let her give birth in a hospital because of that, unless it's some sort of you know, medical emergency exception. So it, it, it's crazy. And they're thinking about doing it in Germany. And every time they do the lockdowns, it doesn't help. I mean, you, you know, I am in MSC on Twitter has shown this again and again and again. The lockdowns don't do anything. And yet that's what they're doing over and over and over yeah. again, whether it's Australia or New Zealand or now in Austria or England or- Yeah, um, it, it, Ireland, I think. They don't well, do anything fair, in Ireland. To be fair, the lockdowns do a lot. I mean, they transfer yeah. wealth to the elites. That's right. Destroy small businesses and people's ability to remain independent and thriving on their own. I mean, they do a lot. Even Fauci is now wavering on the whole lockdown thing. I think because the United States is still retains some aspects of federalism so that somebody like DeSantis can go, can tell Biden and Fauci to go fuck themselves. Right. So and, what I'm seeing is, though, because there's a headline we have in our show notes, all Florida school districts defying DeSantis drop school mask mandates. So what I'm seeing is besides the Oklahoma Guard challenging the Pentagon is you have so many, you have it backwards in California where a sanctuary city is saying they're not going to keep COVID mandates. 
we have all the various levels of jurisdiction and authority fighting each other. And I just, it's almost like we need to figure out who's running things. Is it the cities? Is it the counties? Is it the states? Is it the feds? Because nobody, if, if DeSantis doesn't listen to Biden, the cities aren't listening to DeSantis. Now, I understand legally states have more authority over cities than probably the feds. And the school districts aren't listening to the cities and the parents aren't listening to the school districts. Right. But we just have this, what I think is almost unprecedented, is all the different levels defying all the other different levels. Right. Well, as a matter of law, there's only states and the feds, right? The cities are creations of the states. If the states wanted to, they could uh, disestablish the cities tomorrow. And I, in fact, again, we talk about using power. Um, if it's uh, Palm Beach, say, I don't know which one it is, but let's call it Palm Beach. If Palm Beach City has passed a, a, some sort of a rule that says um, you have to use masks in school, then the legislature should take up the disestablishment of that city government, which they can do. And, and, you know, you might not even have to press it all the way through, or you might have to press it all the way through for one jurisdiction, but you might not have to press it all the way through for another jurisdiction. Just transfer the police uh, uh, duties to uh, the, you know, the counties or the, or the, um, uh, the state patrol or whatever, and just completely disestablish the city. There's no such thing as Palm Beach anymore. That's the way it is in Virginia. There are plenty of places that you could dis they could disestablish if they wanted to, if they have the balls to, but they don't. And what they need to do, the people on the right, is, again, I'm not talking about using power to crush the citizenry. I'm, use I'm talking about using power to crush the institutional left, the left that's in charge. Crush these cities, disestablish the cities, disestablish the counties, uh, you know, disestablish the courts for all I know, because the courts are creations of, uh, of the state legislatures too. It's I mean, it's also defunding so many of right. their institutions and their uh, right. interest groups and everything like that. They, the money should dry up completely. Absolutely. Well, maybe there's, there's in there some, somewhere in there is the third option uh, that I'm looking for because I don't mm -hmm. want to become immoral and and illegal. What's immoral about fighting to win? I, the way the left does it, I I I don't want to become that. I don't know. I don't I don't want to be burning buildings and shooting people and lying and but, but Jody, you know, we lot. spent a lot of time on this show talking about the Rittenhouse case. And what your what your comment to me, what it what it ignores is the difference between self-defense and start and, and picking the fight in the first place. We're defending ourselves. We didn't want this way. We would love to live in a society where where government is totally limited and can't do a lot of these things. But the left won't let so, us have that. So we have to fight them. Me, but is that is is this sort of sanctuary states and sanctuary cities that better avenue? I think How about all of the above. Why do we have to pick one strategy instead of all of them? <laughs> the strategy. The, the, the thing is, is about we're, we are at war. war and it, it is a war. And that, that's, I think. I know. I just want to fight it without. The old saying is all is fair in love and war. On the high ground. I want to well, fight all, it. All, Jody, all is fair in love and war. But and we are. That's, that's my point, Jody. I, we are on the high ground. We're defending ourselves. Look at what they're doing. They're forcing vaccine mandates on us. They're stripping us of our right to self-defense. I mean, they're How persecuting. Can we just, 
Why, why should we just beg and plead with, with intellectual arguments? I'm not saying submit. I'm not saying beg and plead. I'm saying find a way to win. That without is, fighting. He's concerned about no, the tactics. I'm not saying He's concerned about fighting. the tactics. Maybe not, without, maybe not with not with violence and not with lying and not with usurping power on this. Like, right. I'm, I'm saying. I'm talking about fighting, lying, but I am advocating it. using power. She, she's talking tactics. And there's some that don't sit well, well with her. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I want, I'm not saying I don't want to fight and I'm not saying I don't want to win. I just want to do it. Well, in a. You want to, you want to do, you want to do it with way. one, one uh, arm tied behind her back. Is what you're saying. No, <laughs> I wish, you know, money, money. Where, where is all the money on our side to, you know, intervene on all the money that flows to all these organizations that keep this horrifying leftist thing going that our side should be intervening well, to stop it to either create our parallel economies our parallel something to win the minds of the people in the republic listen the republicans don't even want to fight with the the tools that you know we would consider to be fair and, and honest. Yeah, I'm not talking about rounding up the communists and dropping about helicopters. Right. I'm talking about defunding the left and, and disestablishing some of these corrupt political jurisdictions. I mean, that's not fighting unfair. That's just fighting. No, I'm, I'm all for defunding their organizations. And yeah. Listen, like I said, I mean, the, the GOP doesn't want to want to fight when it's even a, a fair fight, per se. I mean, I know for a fact that here in New Jersey, um, you know, the, the Democrats were taking advantage of all the mail-in balloting. We, we know that they've tried to rig the game and they've been pretty successful at it. But the NJGOP wouldn't even put up the money to fight that battle on those grounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, I don't know if everybody knows this, but like voters are, you know, they're labeled as one of four, two of four, three of four, four of four, four of four, you vote in every election. So in an election in New Jersey, like we just had for governor of the entire state legislature, you want the one, one of fours or two of fours to come out. And all you have to do is now go to their house, knock on the door, say, you know, basically, you know, mail the ballot in. Will you mail the ballot in for me? The NJGOP didn't want to do that. They didn't put up any of the money for that. So despite the fact that, you know, we had our the Senate president losing to a guy who spent $153 and, and Murphy coming within this much of of losing, if the party apparatus had just fought that fight, it's quite possible Murphy would be gone. Yeah, I agree. That's that's a, I, so, I, you know, I the, that's a good strategy. I wish they would. I mean, there's a bigger point there. I mean, there's a bigger point there to be made. I mean, when we talk about using power, when the Republicans get in power, one of the things they need to change, obviously, is all this voting crap that's happened and stop all the mail and ballot. They're still counting ballots in places. We don't know the outcomes. Even here in New Jersey, we don't know the outcome for certain things. It took them two weeks to figure out my mayoral race in my town because of all these uh, these ballots that were outstanding. But short of when Republicans get in power and that they should be rolling these things back, they, they better learn to fight that fight or they, we're going to lose. Okay, folks, let's start wrapping up. Anybody can talk about whatever they didn't get to talk about and then we'll close. 
that was my little nugget so that's your nugget okay next nugget i'll go i just want to um bring up the we didn't talk about COVID at all really did we boy it's it's like we're off. So I'm going to close with a little COVID. You know, if you go to the CDC website and you try and find out um, what states have mask mandates and what states don't, strangely, their information is not up to date since August 15th, which I, I can't wrap my head around. How is it that they're so derelict they can't even update this information? But interestingly, they're updated on the information of spread and deaths. And so I was kind of looking at it. And if you if you look at, you know, the August information that CDC has on masks and you compare it to what we have as far as spread, it bodes better for masks. But if you actually then go and you find what states actually have mask mandates and what don't, once you compare what's actually happening, there's no way you can have this argument that masks are this panacea that they are often sold at. You, you'd have to ignore almost the entirety of the South with no mask mandates performing better. Um, New Mexico, and you can't say it's weather because um, you know California is warm, uh, Arizona is warm, but New Mexico has a full-on state mask mandate, according to the resource I found, and which was updated, it said, as of yesterday, I believe, um, New Mexico has a full-on mask mandate, um, and they're one of the worst performers right now. So I just wanted to put that tidbit out there. People should keep keep an eye on the fact that, surprise, surprise, the CDC is a little bit derelict. Well, speaking of COVID, though, there were some big cases this I mean, there was the Fifth Circuit decision striking down or, or enjoining the OSHA mandate for, for vaccines on, on businesses over a hundred people. And not just that the fifth circuit enjoined it. If you read, it's a 28 page opinion, I think, boy, did they take the federal government to the woodshed and, and just attack them for every possible argument that they could, that they could try and use to justify the, the OSHA rule. Uh, and, and they just had no, they had nothing to do with it. Um, it, there are other challenges in the uh, 6th, 8th, and 11th circuits, I believe, and uh, they, were cons- they were all consolidated before a multi-district litigation panel uh, in the 6th circuit. And um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, co- the, I don't know, I don't want to say, it's too soon to say that the, the tide is turning on COVID, but, or at least on, on COVID fascism, but uh, I'm heartened by the number of cases that are now coming out. There are lots of cases being filed and I'm particularly heartened by that decision. I think that was a great decision. Um, you know, so even though we didn't really spend a lot of time on talking about COVID, the, there was still a lot of news on it this week. Um, and just as far as my own last thought, uh, we didn't have anything to say so far about uh, Biden kissing the ring of uh, Xi you know, the leader of the Chinese Communist Party. Was it the ring, really? Really? Was it the ring? Or was it something? Well, you might have kissed another body part, but, uh, you know, I was trying to keep it a clean family show, Ed. I didn't even know that. This happened? I'm out, yeah. of, that loop. I'm out of that loop. Yeah, oh. he, uh, 
you know, he reaffirmed that, you know, he's bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. And, um, you know, he was questioned about, you know, Taiwan's independence. And, you know, he was lied. I saw that part. He was decidedly neutral about it and said he's, you know, it's up to Taiwan to comply with the law. It's up to the Chinese to comply with their obligations. And, you know, he, he pointedly did not make the claim or did not make the statement that, you know, we are going to protect our friends in Taiwan. I don't expect that he will protect Taiwan. Uh, I'm not sure that that it's a wise thing to protect Taiwan, given what we what he's done to our military capabilities right now. But um, well, we have a right new now. we have a new naming ship named after a pedophile. So right, we the Harvey making, Milk. We're making progress there. Right. So. I think the writing is on the wall for a, for an invasion by by China into Taiwan, probably after the Olympics next year. Um, I just thought that was something that was worth, you know, mentioning at least. Hundred percent. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I had my nugget. Oh, oh nuggets! Uh, Jory's back and is going to go away. Uh, for another day so we'll have to oh. see what's uh, uh what's going on for that um i do think the covid totalitarianism is starting to fall apart in the united states even as we see that it's gaining ground and even getting worse in some other countries i do see that there are cracks in the armor the fifth circuit decision um all of the new data that's come out where the government is admitting, or at least in private admitting that's come public that uh, there's no medical basis for the vaccine mandates or the, uh, you know, the various uh, um, restrictions. It's only to try to incentivize people to get vaccinated. And the new, the data out of Israel showing the vaccines uh, only have a limited uh, time frame where they have effectiveness. All of this is coming out and, and despite the enormous amount of money and effort going into censoring all this information, it's getting out and it's getting out primarily because of the alt media, um, whether it's the rumbles or the odysseys or the um, podcasts like this one or the Substack. I, I find an enormous amount of, of really good information from Alex Berenson and Steve Hirsch on Substack about the um, sort of crowdsourced analysis that is being done by sort of scientists, engineers, and others on the data that's coming out. I think the cracks are beginning to widen. I, I, I know that we're going to have, a, since it's a seasonal disease, I know that we're going to have, uh, you know, worse, quote unquote, cases in, in the North in, um, in the coming months but I wonder whether anything's going to happen. Like, I don't think Virginia's gonna shut down with the new governor. And I think that, I think that New Jersey obviously is, is uh, you know, still in the hands of, of Governor Murr people, but even, even he, and the, and, the, and the rules in Manhattan are just so crazy. I mean, it, it's so contradictory that I wonder, I wonder whether it's not gonna start falling apart unless they really wanna deputize police like they're doing in Austria and go around every single store and like 
behave like Gestapo. And I and well, I think in Germany and Austria they have um, a long history of the police behaving as Gestapo. I, I don't think that'll fly in the United States. I, maybe I'm wrong. But, um, you know, though, also following up what you're saying, Ed, Washington D.C. gave up its indoor mask mandate, um, even though Biden says that he's insisting on the White House and, and federal offices continuing to, to have it. And I think that's a really curious development. Yeah, we, I mean, obviously on the, the same page. Uh, obviously, I think the, um, the question becomes, do you really want to police this, right? I mean, I, I, that's the real issue. And I think that, you know, my experience in Manhattan uh, two weekends ago was that it really is the constituency. You know what I mean? I think the Broadway uh, constituency is so paranoid about COVID that, that that's why the mass mandates are on the Broadway shows. It, it's not because it makes any sense. Of course, it doesn't make any sense, but because everybody who is in the theater business are, you know, not very scientific, uh, you know, creative as hell and they can sing, but they don't know anything about science and they're all very leftist and paranoid and listen to the mainstream media. And so they want uh, that, but like none of the stores want mass mandates because that just pisses off their customers. So stores don't have it, Broadway does. I, I, I do think it's kind of a, a, a very much a constituency driven kind of thing. I mean, certainly not science driven because uh, none of these masks work at all on, uh, virus. So it, it's very much a, a tribal thing. And I think the ma- anti-mask tribes are getting bigger and bigger as the day go by. You saw that uh, eight-year-old girl uh, standing up to the school board, basically telling them they suck. Um, I know, obviously, she, she said that she um, was not put up to this by her parents, but obviously her parents didn't put her up to it, but supported her in this. And I, I think that's a... Uh, I think we're seeing more and more of that. And, and Twitter hasn't been censoring people as much anymore as they used to for some reason. You can actually get real information on Twitter now. Facebook, of course, has gone all in on the propaganda, but, but Twitter's pretty good, not to mention Gab or Wuggles or any of the other places. So I think, I think, we're, I think, it's, I think the sun is coming out at the darkest time of year. That's my... I hope so, because we just got to thing from Fauci about warning um, bad things coming ahead with COVID and waning, you know, vaccination and people are going to be inside. I'm just saying, I think he might be gearing up mixed, churning his plaster to, you know, cover those gaps that have, he needs to cover those gaps. I think he's gearing up. And can we say a, a, a special thanks to Rand Paul for his mm-hmm. continuous and on point attacks on Fauci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can't, yep. I, I can't, uh, I can't, fat, you know, he, just one guy standing up. War. That's the kind of fighter in this war I love to see. One guy is standing up. Done, calling out the lies. And I think he's giving strength to some of the other uh, spineless Republicans on this issue. Um, so, I, you know, good for Rand Paul. Yep, I hear you. Wow. Okay, folks, with that, we will wrap up for today. And we hope to see you next week at the regular time, regular date. 
and we wish everyone a good evening. Please, once again, share feedback with us at ejsshow at protonmail.com. Have a wonderful afternoon and evening. Hey, guys. Thanks, everybody. Everybody.